Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What is going on? It is the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here. We are so close to the start of the season. The Lakers and the Clippers will square off in just a couple of days as the Clippers look to make a little bit of noise this season after getting ousted a little too early for their liking last year, getting rid of Doc Rivers, bringing in Tyron Lue, getting rid of Montrez Harrell, bringing in Ibaka, getting rid of Shamit, bringing in Luke Kennard, Jamichael Green out the window. I mean, there's been a lot of movement for the Los Angeles Clippers, and so it'll be fun to see what this season has in order because it's going to be a season unlike any other between the 72 games versus what we've seen in the past with 10 more and, of course, with COVID and what that is going to do to teams because, frankly, if you are not following college basketball, it is wrecking pure havoc with teams having to shut down for two weeks at a time. The NFL was able to get through it. There were some games that had to be rescheduled, but the NFL got through it. The NBA did it in a bubble. Now we see what happens when the NBA is not in a bubble. We have a very fun show for you today. It's a crossover episode. The Clippers and the Lakers unite. Hoopball Clippers, Hoopball Lakers, J.C. DeLeon and Ethan Noroff of the Hoopball Lakers show will join me and we'll talk about both teams. I got their take on Montrez Harrell and what they think about him with the Los Angeles Lakers. We break down the starting lineup and who has a better starting lineup. We break down the benches, something the Clippers have had a very good one of the last couple of years that perhaps the Lakers might be passing them in terms of who has a deeper bench, something that we did not expect. But we'll talk about the benches as well. Good conversation all around on many key pieces for both teams. But before we get to that, folks, I'm not sure if you've heard me talk before about hoop-ball.com. And when I say I'm not sure, I know you've heard me talk about hoop-ball.com and what these guys are bringing to you on a daily basis. You look at what we are releasing, not only in free content, but we have other content that you have to pay a couple of dollars for that will make you thrive in fantasy basketball and, frankly, will extend your basketball knowledge. Hoopball needs to keep the lights on. So for a few weeks each year, we sell stuff. This year, the best deal in fantasy is here at Hoopball. It's called the Fantasy Pass. It's just $4.99 a month. You heard me. $4.99 a month gets you the entire draft guide because I know you still have some time to take that fantasy basketball wisdom and win some money off of it. The Brewski 150. Brew does a tremendous job with that. Our DFS Pass. You heard me. DFS. You can even do daily fantasy in that $4.99. 
and all in-season fantasy tools to help you throughout the entire season when you're trying to managing your fa- when you're trying to manage your fantasy basketball squad. It's nuts what we can give you. Just 4.99 for all that stuff. Cook yourself dinner tonight instead of ordering delivery and you can afford the fantasy pass for half a year. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com, click on the fantasy pass ad just below the main media wall. All right. Without further ado, Let's go ahead. Let's talk some Clippers and Lakers with Ethan Noroff and JC DeLeon. All right. It's been promised. Here it is. After hearing intros from your respective squads, we have bonded together to form a super team. It is Ethan Noroff, JC DeLeon of the Hoopball Lakers pod. And of course, I am Brandon Marcus of the Hoopball Clippers pod for a crossover. Fellas, what's going on? Ethan, my dude, it's great to be back with you, JC DeLeon. Great to be back with you after our box score breakdown days. Ethan, first of all, to you, what's up, my man? You excited to do this? Another uh, p- possible chance here for a back-to-back? Very excited, very excited. And, you know, I would be remiss if I did not bring up the opportunity to uh, revisit a prediction that we had together about the team that was more likely to go to and then subsequently win the NBA Finals, if you may recall. I actually listened to the podcast right before we started to see if I could uh, find the <laughs> prediction. And it was indeed. I-, I think I said we were trying to figure out if I said the Sixers or I said the Bucks in the finals against the Clippers. I said it was going to be Lakers or Clippers, and it was indeed the Lakers, and you nailed the Lakers as well. JC, I'm sure you're excited, man, to uh, try and get this back-to-back. My uh, my hat is tipped towards you and the Lakers, uh, purple and gold. Yeah, man, I'm really excited about this season. Uh, I mean, it's not a full season, but it's you know as close to a full season as we can get. And yeah, man, exciting times in Lakerland. All right, so let's first hit on something that hits on both teams, and that is Montrez Harrell, because I think that is really the only common point here between the two teams going into the season, and that is the Clippers obviously getting rid of Montrez Harrell to the delight of many Clippers fans, and Montrez Harrell going to the Lakers to the delight of many Lakers fans. So I want to unpack this. You guys, I know, uh, Ethan, you and I have talked about this before. Montrez Harrell is a guy that I think slowed down the Clippers in the playoffs because he just, frankly, is not that good defensively. Um, I thought he, if the rumors are true, He did not help the locker room because supposedly he may have been the leak that was going to the media and talking about what was going on with PG and Kawhi and possible preferential treatment, which obviously that's going to happen with stars. But when it goes to the media, it's not great. And now you guys get Montrez Harrell and he's paired with a guy in Anthony Davis that is a tremendous defender, something the Clippers did not have. JC, your thoughts first and then go to Ethan afterwards on Montrez Harrell signing and if you were happy with it and what you're expecting from him in the long run. Yeah, I was definitely happy with it because although he didn't have the greatest you know, performance in the bubble, he was still an exciting player and he's one of those guys that, that frustrates you when you're he's on the team against you know the team you're rooting for and now that he's on your team, you love him. Um, I, I've been a little bit confused about people wondering about the fit and how he might play next to alongside guys like AD and even Gasol and whether or not he might clog the lane. And just from what I've seen in the preseason and remembering from what he did last season, like he's a guy who is a really good isolation player and he doesn't just play back to the basket like a classic big because he doesn't shoot threes, but he, at the same time he doesn't clog the lane. He can, he can post up, he can face up. 
He can dribble. He can be 18, 19 feet away from the basket, and he can flat-out score. And so a guy who can get buckets, I'd imagine a team as smart as the Lakers can, can figure out where he fits. And I think for me, look, I, I've said it all along, and I'll continue to say it. I don't think the Lakers thought they were going to have a chance at Montrez Harrell tied to that whole Dwight Howard situation. I think they just kind of realized, oh, wow, this guy is actually interested in coming here on the mid-level, and they sort of expedited that connection. And Rich Paul's involvement, I'm sure, was a factor no matter what anybody says on any kind of public record. I've been thinking a lot about the Serge Ibaka versus Montrez Harrell uh, sort of face-off, right? Because not only did the Clippers wind up with Ibaka, obviously, so obviously swapping one for the, for the other, each guy got the same contract. And while I think there was some more prevalent thought that Ibaka would have to take a pay cut, I think there was also some thought that Trez might get more money. So I thought it's just interesting from both guys that they wind up with the same deal. In a vacuum, I still feel like that, you know, Serge Ibaka would have been very interesting on the Lakers. That said, I do think some of Trez's weaknesses, like the defense you pointed to, Brandon, and some of the limitations of his game will be helped by being around not only LeBron, but obviously, as you said, too, Anthony Davis, in that he'll be given tools that he may not have had prior. So maybe he looks better in that team context, given uh, sort of the pairings that he'll be able to play with. How many minutes do you guys expect to see him on the floor when it comes to playoff time? Because I mean, regular season, it, the guy's a beast in the regular season. I mean, it, don't even bother with the uh, hitting up Clippers people during the regular season about, see, we told you that this was going to work, because it's going to work in the regular season. Trez is going to be a beast. He's going to carry you in some games where AD may sit, LeBron may sit. It, he's damn good when he carries a bench during a regular season. Uh, Ethan, how many minutes do you expect to see him and JC right afterwards? What do you think? I think 20 to 24, 25 minutes is is probably the ceiling. I think there could be some nights where he plays less than that, maybe in the 16 to 20 range. It's really going to depend on sort of the development of that front court alongside Anthony Davis and some of the other pairings the Lakers could potentially roll out there. Because you don't think Marcus Hall is going to be a 30-minute-per-game player at this stage of his career. But you do want to play Anthony Davis at center, and, and you may want to play – uh, smaller sometimes, even smaller than what Trez would present and surround AD and LeBron with some more shooters. So I think, you know, softly anywhere in that 16 to 25, but I think to start the season, 20 to 25 should be a pretty solid expectation. That's that's a pretty solid expectation, yeah, because from what I've seen in the preseason, and granted, it's just preseason, and it's hard to take everything, you know, at, at its truth. But yeah, Marcus Gasol doesn't seem to seem like he's going to play as many minutes as, as previously previously thought. Um, I'd imagine he's going to be the first one sent to the bench, and then you're going to see a lot of minutes of Montrez playing with with AD and LeBron. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm curious, and you bring up an uh, interesting point, Ethan, when you talk about the Ibaka thing, because I didn't think the Clippers had a shot in hell with the amount of money that Ibaka I thought was going to command, and Montrez Harrell, of course, I think lost himself. 40 to 50 million in the bubble. I mean, I think that he would have gotten a much longer contract um, if he had done much better in the bubble. Um, I could be overshooting it, but I think that's a lot of money. I think he was going to get a big contract because let's be real. Some funny money was handed out um, during the pre, uh, free agency period. Just look at the Plumlee. And there was just a lot of money to be had. So I think he cost himself, but Clippers fans seem to be happy because I think Ibaka now will be someone that can stretch the floor, which is, something the Clippers have not had in a big and something that you guys luckily do have with Anthony Davis and Montrezl Hill provides something differently because of course Harold can score, but his defense is not as great. He can't step out like AD can. And then you look at the the Lakers side 
where now you have an ability to, I don't know, maybe perhaps be more cautious with AD during the regular season. Is that something that you see, Ethan, that possibly now that you have a big and Trez that can give you, I mean, hell, Doc Rivers played him 18 straight minutes at points during the regular season, that maybe the minutes on AD won't be as big during the season because, of course, you guys have only had a couple months off. I mean, I think there might be opportunities where that naturally arises. I don't think that's going to necessarily be part of the Lakers game plan, right? Right. I think they're going to be strategic about ways to preserve both LeBron and Anthony Davis, but I don't think anyone is saying, okay, we're going to preserve Anthony Davis by playing Montrez Harrell a little bit more here or there. Those situations kind of develop naturally, and I think, you know, in terms of the culture and leadership on this team, they've been pretty clear about being on a mission, and and despite the fact that they've very recently, as you just said, had the success, they seem to want to come out and sort of prove to the league, like, this wasn't just a fluke in what was clearly an irregular season. This is a team that's here to stay. So I think there will be moments that we're, where it happens naturally, but I don't think that's necessarily a mindset going into the year. JC, one thing that seems pretty obvious, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, so I'm curious to get both of your guys' takes on this, is that I think the Lakers' defense took a step back from what they had last year. I thought that with Howard and McGee and Bradley and Danny Green, you guys had a lot of guys that just bought in defensively, knew their role, and could allow the other guys to, like in LeBron and AD, carry most of the offense. Of course, you had other guys step up, Caldwell Pope, whoever, whoever it was on a given night. Um, but I think you guys took a step to back defensively. Curious to get your take. Do you agree or no? Um, I think they took a step back in some ways. They've definitely lost a lot of the, that rim-protecting ability they had last year with, with JaVale and Dwight. Um, but I do think that schematically they're going to be uh, a much different team. But I think they're going to be, be really similar. And I've said this before. I think you're going to be see a, see a team similar to LeBron's Miami years. That was a really athletic team. They they played seemingly positionless basketball. They didn't have a great center uh, in those times either. They had Joel Anthony, who oftentimes would produce stat lines that, that had almost zeros all around. But, you know, they were a team that played passing lanes. They ran fast breaks. And Frank Vogel is very, very familiar with coaching against that team. And so that's what I think you're going to see really similarly. And plus this year they think they have a new wrinkle in Wesley Matthews. Wesley Matthews can come in and be that singular defender on a Kawhi or a Jimmy Butler or, you know, night-to-night guys like that so that the focus of one-on-one defense doesn't have to be on AD or LeBron. Ethan, who do you think has a better defense right now, the Lakers or the Clippers? I think we've seen it from the Lakers more than we've seen it from the Clippers, but I have some of the similar concerns that you've shared about the departure of the identity in terms of reshaping the roster. Yeah, and that, that's one thing that I thought with the Lakers is – You looked at the postseason, and if they were having an off night offensively, the defense was there. I mean, they just suffocated Miami during the NBA Finals, and I'm just not sure they have that. And you look at Kawhi, you look at PG, and you look at guys in Ibaka that I think is a better defender than Montrez Harrell, especially just his ability to stay with others, I think is just better than what Trez brought. Um, and then you look at guys like Pat Beverly that are just, I mean, he's a menace. He's a pain in the ass, but he gets it done defensively um, when he needs to. And I, I just think the Clippers right now have a better defense than the Lakers. But that being said, if there's one play that I want to have someone's best player stopped, I'm going to turn to LeBron James. I mean, he just showed that during the postseason. That doesn't matter what his age is. If you want, if you want to get a stop, you throw LeBron James on somebody's best player. So that's one advantage I think you guys definitely have. Um, I want to talk about 
the starting lineups. Ethan, you and I did this last year where we broke down kind of the starters versus the bench. And I think uh-huh. it's interesting to do again this year. You look at the starters. What do you guys think is going to be your guys' starting five? Because I know the Clippers seems to be set that when Marcus Morris is healthy, you'll see Beverly Morris, you'll see PG, you'll see Kawhi, and you'll see Ibaka. I'm curious to see what your guys' starting five looks like. I'd say I'd say the same thing. I mean, I, I don't think that Frank Vogel is going to come out and endorse a starting five until he has to. That's sort of been his MO, right, going back to last season and in particular with the bubble with some of the lineup machinations he made. If I were a betting man on in terms of the Lakers starting lineup, I think realistically it's probably going to include Dennis Schroeder. He's been pretty vocal about that. Uh, so in that case, it would be Schroeder, KCP uh, with LeBron, AD, and Gasol. The starting lineup that I'm still most intrigued by is one that has LeBron as the de facto point guard with KCP and Wesley Matthews in the mix, along with AD and Gasol down low. Ethan, which of those would you rather have? In terms of my personal preference to start the season? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you I, come playoff time, which one do you want to see? If we're talking about in the playoffs, I, I'd prefer the option two, right? The latter, because I feel like that's a stronger, probably defensive first five, as well as a better shooting first five. And when you have LeBron and AD and the, the possibilities in the pick and roll, especially with a a high-low game complemented by Gasol, I'd feel a lot better about having KCP and and Wes as those shooters in the corners. What about you, JC? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think think Schroeder will start just because at at that position, you know, defensively point guard. Offensively, I think LeBron's going to be the point guard, but defensively you'll see a shift. So, you know, those options are pretty much Schroeder or, uh, you know, Caruso maybe. And so Schroeder starting makes sense. And then I think Wes Matthews and KCP are sort of interchangeable as far as, you know, who will end up getting more minutes. Like when the offseason began and the the Lakers roster was fully shaped, like I envisioned a scenario in which KCP could, you know, after having such a great performance in the bubble, he can be, I envisioned him being that guy who could sort of go after that sixth man of the year trophy and wanting to be that first guy off the bench. But I think him starting is a good move too. All right, so then it seems like you guys are fully endorsing Schroeder, it seems like, is going to be the starting point guard. So Schroeder versus Patrick Beverly. I think it's really hard to compare the two because one is better offensively than the other. I mean, that's simple. That There's no way to compare the two. But then you look at defensively. I think the edge goes to Patrick Beverly. And leadership-wise, I'm curious to get your guys' take on what you've seen on Schroeder because Patrick Beverly brings a ton of as a leader on the floor and just someone that's going to jack his team up and get them ready to play. Very similar to the Duke slap the floor mentality is what Pat Beverly will bring to your defense. And he'll make sure that everyone's held accountable. Schroeder, I'm not sure he's the guy in terms of leading the squad as a point guard. JC, when you compare Pat Beverly versus Schroeder, who would you rather have? Uh, I mean, who would I rather have? I think from a defensive standpoint, that would probably be more important to me. And so in that sense, it would be Patrick Beverly. But in in this scenario on this squad, Schroeder starting, I do, I do kind of agree with your point to where leadership-wise, Schroeder, that's probably not Schroeder's strength. And on this team, when you've got LeBron, AD, and Gasol, he doesn't really have to be. He could just focus on running the offense when it's his turn to run the offense and LeBron is, is going to be the big playoff ball. We'll get the, to the defense, I mean, to the bench in a second, but I kind of want to compare the two, Ethan, is Schroeder seems like a guy that could be a great sixth man. But when you have him in the starting lineup, do you feel like perhaps you may not be utilizing him to the 
best possible extent. I feel like that is a statement that could be said of a couple of different players on this Lakers roster, right? Because the reality is they're they're deeper than they were last season. There's going to be some interesting lineup decisions that have to be made. I think it ultimately comes down to the lineups that anyone is playing with more than how the game is started, right? But if Schroeder is going to play the majority of his minutes with that first five as we outlined, then yeah, it might take something away from his production, right? Obviously, LeBron is ball dominant, AD is ball dominant, and you're not going to have Schroeder just simply out there kind of canvassing like we would see with Rondo. I know there have been a lot of comparisons between Schroeder and Rondo's games as Schroeder has progressed through the league and sort of evolved. And some of that you can see. What I don't think is a comparison is when Rondo, despite all of his flaws and sort of his underwhelming play prior to the bubble, and in particular the finals, was that leadership piece. LeBron listens to Rajon Rondo. Anthony Davis listens to Rajon Rondo. The first time Schroeder gets hot about something and he yells at LeBron, I'm curious to see what the reaction is going to be, right? Yeah. So I think if you had to compare the two, I would rather have Schroeder as my sixth man, but as a starting point guard, I think I would rather have Pat Beverly. Ethan, what do you think? And then JC, who would you rather have as your starting point guard? I think in a vacuum, I'd rather have Patrick Beverly for his defense, Mm -hmm. but I think it's, it's really close. And it's a very, as you said, it's just a very strange comparison because they're very, they're almost opposite style of players. Yeah, I agree. I think if the Lakers had if the Lakers had just a third option at point guard, uh, then I think you're, they'd be in a position where Schroeder can be that sixth man of the year candidate off the bench and sort of lead a, an offensively geared second unit with, with Trez and, and Schroeder. So I'm not going to compare shooting guard versus shooting guard because I, I think that we'll see PG and Kawhi as the two and three. And for you guys, you'll probably, I'm assuming, have LeBron as the three and Anthony Davis as the four. Um, so I want to compare those two stars because we did that last year too, Ethan. I thought it was really interesting. So Kawhi versus LeBron was a discussion that we had at nauseum. I mean, and not just we, everyone seemed to have at nauseum. And of course, AD, people seem to forget how good he is. I mean, it's weird for someone to fly under the radar. And I don't think he has, but I don't think people realize how good he is. And now, comparing the two, LeBron and AD versus Kawhi and PG, I think, I mean, I'm going to give you guys the edge there, obviously, because LeBron's a proven winner. AD is just an animal, and what he can do both offensively and defensively is scary. But, JC, how close do you think Kawhi and PG are to those two? Um, I mean, when I talk about this, like my, my LeBron bias is always always showing, and uh, I agree with one of the, the Fox Sports uh, shows, Colin Cowherd, this week was talking about how, you know, LeBron at this age – is defying every expectation. And as far as the discussion about best player in the league, like it, it just, we, we can limit it to just LeBron and Kawhi. It seems as though the gap is widening a little bit. Like LeBron might be expanding, you know, different parts of his game now that he's, you know, point guard and leading the team, the league in assists. And Kawhi might have sort of reached his peak as far as, you know, his ability to add new things. And so Kawhi is still a really great player. LeBron has proven that he's not slowing down anytime soon. And so, yeah, I would obviously give the edge to, to LeBron, even at this even at this age. Ethan, do you think that Kawhi has reached his peak? Because I, I tend to disagree there. I think that we saw him add something in his ability to pass the ball um, over the last year or so. And I think that he still has the ability to add more to it. What do you think there? 
I think Kawhi has the ability to add more in a vacuum, but I, I still wonder about his health long term yeah. and how that is sort of impacting that potential ceiling that he may or may not be able to hit. Uh, that said, I think I said it last year, and I mean, just still, AD is very much in his prime, and although LeBron is past prime age, quote-unquote, I don't think there is such a thing when it comes to this player, and there there is not a duo in the world that I would take over those two, given what they bring on both sides of the basketball court and with how well they complement one another. The, the one thing that Hoopball obviously is a major fantasy site, and Paul George is someone that seems to be slipping down drafts, and I, I want to get your guys's. I guess unbiased take on PG because personally I think he's going to take a step forward this year. I think that now I believe he is fully healthy. He said he was going into last year and he admitted that was not true when after the lockdown he admitted afterwards that, you know what, my shoulders were definitely not good in the bubble. They're much better and take apart that terrible game seven. He actually was very good in the bubble. I think that that goes under the radar in terms of he was a very solid player. I think PG has that ability to still be the guy that finished top three in MVP voting. Ethan, do you think he still has that ability, or do you think that perhaps he has passed that moment? I think the talent could be there if if the shoulders are right and the head is right, and I don't mean any disrespect when I, th- when I say that. He's, he's spoken openly about sort of the struggles that he had with his mental health, especially in the bubble. Uh, that said, I think he's going to be sort of limited in his potential for MVP by the fact that he plays on Kawhi Leonard's team. I know he's he's the hometown guy, but so is Kawhi, and Kawhi is still going to be the, the bigger name because of what he's been able to personally accomplish uh, rather than Paul George at this point in their careers. But I, I do think that in terms of fantasy drafts, PG is sort of a victim of recency bias, right? Like Sort of like Trez was in the bubble in terms of evaluating his game as a whole. And I think people tend to stick with the thing that they they most clearly remember last. So I think you could have some value, some better value there, and some good value there. I do think he will uh, look to sort of separate himself from the struggles that he had last year. JC, what are your thoughts on PG? Yeah, I mean, I hope that, and you know, just for the sake of him, you know, being a great player and, and me being a basketball fan in general, I hope he does kind of take a step forward. He does kind of seem to be starting the season off in, in kind of an odd place and. You know, he talked about wanting to retire a Clipper, and some people were kind of clowning him for that, but then he signed that extension. And so, you know, that seemed like it's going to help him him and his mindset to start the season off right. And so I, I do kind of hope he takes a step forward and um, plays pretty well this season. Quick yes or no from both of you guys. First, JC, yes or no, does Kawhi re-sign? Ooh, uh, no. Ethan? Yes. Interesting. A no from JC. <laughs> wow. I think that the I think the PG signing helps a lot. And at the very worst, if he does leave, we've said this before on the Hoopball Clippers show. I mean, the one thing you did not want was for PG and Kawhi both to leave and the Clippers to throw away all those picks, obviously, in the PG deal. Now, at the very worst, you have an asset in PG that you could always trade. Worst comes to worst. But I mean, the, la- the worst case scenario is not going to come true. But the second worst can- case scenario, Kawhi leaving. Absolutely could. All right, fellas, let's take a quick break. Let's talk about our friends over at my bookie. Ethan, my bookie, man. I, I-, I want to know your favorite part of our friends over there. Is it perhaps the casino-like games? Is it the live betting? What's your go-to there? I would say whenever they run those special promos with those matching bets, that's got to be my my go-to or those those tease lines where you can rake up all the extra money. I know JC's a big advocate of that as well. JC, did you get in on that uh, 
that big odds boost recently? I did over Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, uh, the the match on the Thanksgiving Texans game, and then all the promos on that Saturday. One of which is still going on. The Lakers odds were increased to plus six hundred, uh, maximum ten dollar bet. So not a huge return if it ends up happening. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that. Those odds boosts are, are huge. Any future bets? Because you know my bookie can, can get you covered on future bets as well, JC. Uh, yeah, I mean, just that Lakers bet. So I got the Lakers for 10 bucks at plus 600 to repeat, which is really, really good odds at plus 600. Um, I think they've got over there, you can get make futures bets on MVP. Uh, Luca, I think, is the favorite, which is kind of a curi- curious favorite. Uh, LeBron is kind of way down there. I'd, I'd put money on either LeBron or AD just because the value is, is there. Um, but yeah, there's future bets all over the place at my bookie. Well, of course, if you want to go sign up at MyBookie, it's easy. Use the promo code HoopBall. Get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to $1,000. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they will match you with another $100 in your account. If you're already planning to bet this season, it's free betting money. And, of course, you can follow our friends over at HoopBall Gaming. They do such a good job of releasing their bets. And, of course, $9.99 gets you some premium plays. And when those guys get on fire, Ethan, man... They get on absolute fire. You seen the runs that these guys have gone on? No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, just go hoopball gaming to help out if you want to get some advice, or if you want to, you know, if you don't want it, then fine. You can go off what you want to do. The terms are simple at mybookie.ag. All right, fellas, let's continue with the starting lineup chat. I want to talk about the centers because I find the Marcus Saul signing fascinating versus what the Clippers did with Sergi Baca. Both guys have shown the ability to step out and shoot the three ball in their career. Marcus Saul is known as a very good passer. He is getting older and he is not getting better. He is not like a fine wine. When you compare the two, I, I personally, I think it's a runaway for me. I'd rather have Sergi Baca, but for you, Ethan, what have you seen in the preseason from Marcus Saul that makes you think he can be a good contributor? Well, I think one of the things that I spoke to just a few minutes ago was the high-low action, right? Like, we really haven't seen that since, you know, the days of Bynum and Gasol going back a decade ago in terms of what the Lakers can do uh, with Gasol and AD and Gasol and some of the other wings and guards. And so I think for, for Mark, you know, I'm, I was surprised when his name entered the conversation just from the sake of the availability standpoint. And I was in particular sort of perked up when I saw that it was a straight two-year deal without an option. So this is going to be, you know, the Lakers starting center, we think anyway, for the next couple of years. I do think Gasol adds something defensively in terms of his ability to communicate and uh, sort of read the floor. I don't think he adds anything from an athleticism standpoint. I think he and I have the same vertical jump, which is about two and a half inches. (laughs) And, you know, we do share a birthday, so there's that as well. We'd like to throw that in there. But I think he's going to help the sort of overall intelligence of the team on both ends of the court. Um, but I do think, again, he's going to play sort of in that similar 20 to 25-minute sort of range, depending upon the matchup and the opponent. JC, do you want to see him play that many minutes? Because it's interesting. With, with how he played with the Raptors, initially he was really solid, obviously, with that championship team. But I just didn't like what I saw from him last year. What do you think minutes-wise? and? Uh, what do you think he's going to bring? Would you rather see – here's an easier one for you. Would you rather see Trez or would you rather see Gasol on the floor? Uh, I mean, I think I'd rather see Gasol, especially to start, just to – you know, I think JaVale was really important setting the tone for the team defensively last year, and I think Gasol is going to have that same purpose. I, I was hesitant 
uh, more hesitant than, than Ethan about the signing. I kind of wanted a more nimble athletic center. Uh, but from what I've seen in the preseason, yeah, I do love the the addition of a third playmaker in, in running that high-low action. He can run pick-and-rolls. He can run uh, given goals with, with just about any of those guards. He's got really good chemistry with KCP, it seems. And defensively, uh, yeah, he may not be as as uh, athletic vertically anymore, but horizontally or ver- you know laterally, he can still move a little bit. I've seen a couple of instances where you know he can switch out on a pick and roll on, on like a Chris Paul and things like that. He probably can't do that to like a De'Aaron Fox, but you know some of the the older, slightly slower point guards, I think he still has that ability to to you know play defense laterally. And yeah, I mean twenty twenty five minute twenty five minutes is probably a little high for what I'd want to see, maybe 20. But I think in the in 20 minutes, he could give you some really quality minutes. JC, who would you rather have, Ibaka, or would you rather have Gasol? Um, I mean, I probably would have rather have had Ibaka, but I, I do like what I've seen from Gasol so far. So here's the thing that's interesting, is that if we say that we'd rather have Beverly over Schroeder, we'd rather have Ibaka over Gasol, <laughs> I think we'd rather have... Um, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, that's not close, or PG and Kawhi. That brings us to the fifth man. And I believe Marcus Morris is going to be the starter. Um, God help us if it's Nick Batum and, and Mar- Marcus Morris is not getting healthier sooner. Because Nick Batum, unfortunately, I know both of our teams wanted him. I don't think this is a guy that's going to contribute very much this season. Um, you look. I'm assuming Caldwell Pope will probably be the guy that started it. Do I remember correctly in terms of what you guys thought he was going to be? The, he's going to be the starter, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. So you compare those two, Marcus Morris versus Caldwell Pope. I think they bring something different to the team. Uh, it's interesting. I think it's kind of a wash between the two because Marcus Morris is a guy that can take over night to night if a guy like Kawhi or PG is out because we've seen with the Knicks that he can honestly dominate if he needed to. And he can spread the floor. He can shoot the three ball. He also defensively can switch on a lot of different guys. While Caldwell Pope, I thought, was really good last year in the playoffs for you guys and the ability to spread the floor shoot the three ball, played some good defense as well. Ethan, who would you rather have between the two guys? I think I'd rather have KCP. It's always weird when you kind of compare or cross compare positionally, right? Yeah. I think I'd rather have KCP and, and in a vacuum, I, I like what he brings on both sides of the floor. I think, you know, he's really found something once again from beyond the three point line, like he did earlier in his career. And I think defensively he's improved as well, sort of in part being part of the Lakers culture, but also as a product of his teammates around him. I mean, it's obviously the most talented team he's ever played on. Um, and I, I do think if you want to look at the the contract components as well, KCP has had certainly a series of interesting contracts with the Lakers, but in terms of the current contracts, uh, if you want to bring that into the mix, uh, it's hard to look at KCP's three and thirty-nine, especially with only five guaranteed on that on that third year, versus Marcus's you know four-year, sixty-four million dollar deal. I I think that surprised more people than I thought it would. I know it would surprise me. So now we get to the bench, and this is something that is fascinating because last year I thought it was an easy runaway to favor the Clippers, and you mentioned earlier, Ethan, that you thought the bench was much improved and you guys were much deeper than last year. And that's obvious. I mean, you look at guys like Kuzma, Horton Tucker, who apparently thinks he's now the next best thing and is going to be the next LeBron James. I'm curious to get both your eyes' takes on him in a second. Montrez Harrell, who goes from one team to the other. Quinn Cook, Wes Matthews, um, Morris. It's just you guys have a lot. You guys go deep when it comes to that team. While the Clippers, of course, they've got Lou Williams, and that's the guy that you always want to have. And, of course, Luke Kennard 
is a guy that the Clippers are going to rely on this year, and hopefully he stays healthy. And then you look at what else they've got, and Batum we mentioned briefly, and Reggie Jackson is hit or miss. Fee is another guy that could help the Clippers, but I think you guys have an obvious edge when it comes to the bench. The one thing that we've noticed in the postseason is that a bench, frankly, does not matter as much when it comes to the playoffs, you need to play a guy like Trez against Jokic. Like that, that's just not going to help at all. JC, when you look at the Lakers, having a deep bench is something you guys haven't had in a while. What dynamic is that going to bring to this team? Uh, I mean, I think the biggest advantage is it's going to help limit uh, LeBron's minutes. I, at least I hope that's that's kind of what happens. And, it seems like for the last few years, LeBron has always talked about, or his coaches have always talked about, the goal is to sort of limit uh, his minutes as he's getting up and up there in age, and it never ends up panning out that way because they need him to play more and more minutes. And so hopefully they're in a position to where for the regular season they can utilize the depth of this bench, and then when they get to the playoffs sort of find that. And I think they're in a position where they can do a solid 10-man lineup where I think most successful playoff teams run 8-9 to nine players but yeah i think that's the biggest uh adjustment they can positive adjustment they can make is is limiting lebron's minutes which is sounds counterproductive but i think it'll work ethan how stoked are you to have this uh bigger bench and also do you think kyle kuzma is going to take to that role you guys talked about him in the intro and obviously the new contract extension yeah so i i think that it'll hopefully allow kuz to play rent free in his own head so to speak and sort of push through some of those mistakes and continue to evolve in the, in the role that we saw from him in the bubble. I think the expanded bench provides optionality that Frank Vogel and the Lakers aren't accustomed to, which in theory should be helpful in what will be an expedited season once again. That said, I think it could also present some, not problems, but some interesting issues along the way because you could have a lot of different lineup machinations and guys you know, learning to play with each other sort of on the fly. So you know, on paper, it looks good, but hopefully the Lakers only need to really explore it to its fullest extent in blowout situations and not because of injuries or disappointing performances. So Horton Tucker, I'm sure you guys have talked about this guy on your guys' podcast a couple of times. And by the way, you guys have had some great guests recently. So uh, if you are listening to this Hoopball Clippers podcast, you're interested in some Lakers stuff, some good guests, including Harrison Fagan, who is a guy that I know from my days broadcasting for Cal State Fullerton. He used to sit next to me on a press row over there in Titan Gym. So uh, some good podcasts you guys have released. Is this going to be a thing? Because we've seen at the Clippers that Terrence Mann, for example, is someone that just blew up last postseason. He was tremendous. Is Horton Tucker going to be a thing, JC? Uh, I mean, it, it appears so. It, one of the things that I tweeted about during all the games, and, and, and the easy comparison is comparing him and, and a guy like Kyle Kuzma, the young draft picks that they've been trying to develop. And, you know, for years we've been talking about, you know, Kuzma's fit and how long it'll take, where here in year two, Horton Tucker seems to be fitting in, you know, pretty pretty well, very quickly. Um, his numbers for the preseason are just kind of gaudy. Like, I, pu- I pulled him up here, uh, 20.5 points per game, 6.5 rebounds, 3 assists. He shot 55% for the field, from the field, from, from the field, 54 from 3, and then he was a 90% free throw shooter so 50 50 90 and just four preseason games and so you know i understand that preseason is preseason and even anthony bennett had a really great preseason his rookie year and so you know it remains to be seen how big his impact really will be but this team clearly believes in him and he's got 
he's got skill his 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 body and the things that he's able to do the length of his arms he's got a really unique layup package to where he can sort of wrap his arm around people and all crazy angles and makes make these kinds of crazy layups yeah i think he's gonna play and i think he's gonna do well ethan that perhaps could mean that your guy kuzma perhaps does not get as much of a role as he would like i I think both these teams are gonna make a move at the deadline Uh, i'm very curious to see what it means for the lakers I've, i've talked about for the clippers that point guard backup center that's something the clippers have needed and they've needed for two years, and they haven't quite addressed it to the extent that they've needed to. You guys have an interesting trade chip, most likely, in Kyle Kuzma. When you look at Horton Tucker, is that someone that could take some of Kuzma's usage and minutes, and do you think that Kuzma now could go on the block? I mean, I've been saying it for a while, even even before the Kuzma extension news, obviously, because that just hit. Yeah. Um, I, I think Horton Tucker could be somebody who definitely not only – is in the rotation, but also takes minutes from Kuzma. I've been saying it for a while. I think there's a chance that THT could play more minutes than, than Kuzma. And, you know, based on the preseason, there, that's, that's the indication. But the preseason is just the preseason. I do think THT will have to sort of, you know, earn it in the regular season. But he's not just going to be out there for experimentation like we saw in the bubble. I think he's going to be out there because the Lakers and Frank Vogel believe he deserves to be out there. So I'm very interested to see where the minutes come from, whether that's, you know, a few from Caruso, a few, a few less for Wesley Matthews, a few less for KCP, and obviously Kuzma as well. So it's it's going to be sort of a mix, and I'm curious to see where that final number lands as a result of all of that. Yeah, and yeah. just because there's an extension, and oh, sorry, uh, JC, just because there's an extension does not mean you can't trade somebody. I mean, the Clippers showed that with Blake Griffin, where they, they re-signed him and immediately flipped him. So what were you going to say, JC? Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to bring up a point similar to that. Like, yeah, when it comes to Kyle Kuzma, he's obviously really talented. And I love his game and what he's able to bring. Um, but like I said earlier, we've talked, we, you can only talk so long about how long it's going to take for him to find his rhythm or find his place or some other kind of euphemism that, that fits that metaphor. And it might just come to a point where fit trumps talent in his case he's obviously talented he obviously brings a lot to the table he just may not necessarily bring a lot to this table so we'll talk about the we'll compare the two benches in which we'd rather have so i want to hit on the clippers bench and get your guys's point of view because i thought the clippers did really well in that trade to get rid of Shamit and bring in Kennard. as long as he stays healthy i think Kennard is a better player he's a better ball handler he's a better three-point shooter i just think that Kennard brings more inside the perimeter as well and you look at what the Clippers could possibly do with Zoo, and I didn't even mention him earlier. I mean, the biggest thing, of course, from Clippers fans during the playoffs was, is Zoo going to play? I mean, Zoo needs to play more minutes. Trez is stealing Zoo's minutes. And so we thought, finally, Trez is gone. We'll be in good shape. Zoo will start. And then, of course, Ibaka comes in. And it's a whole different story. If you want to listen to my podcast with Jovan Buha of The Athletic, I mentioned we had a long discussion about Zoo versus Ibaka. Before I continue, I'm actually get your guys' take, because I'm very curious Ethan and then JC, what's your thought on this whole Zoo versus Ibaka thing? Because I'm not sure how much you guys have been following it, but Zoo, just very good defender. He's a former Laker, obviously, and I'm sure you guys would like to still have him. Um, so what's your take, Ethan? I'm surprised. I did not think Ibaka was going to come in to be replacing Zoo in the starting five. Uh, I do think, you know, there's obviously a defensible logic behind it, but that said, I do think Teron Lewis is sort of taking a a very 
methodical approach and how he sort of leads this team, right? It's been a little while for him as a head coach. But on top of that, I think he's very aware of the idea that he doesn't want people to think he's just going to be an extension of Doc Rivers style. So I feel like the Ibaka start is sort of at him adding his flair to this team early on. What do you think, JC? Um, yeah, I mean, I think for veterans' sake and the experience uh, that Serge brings, as well as his chemis- past chemistry with, with Kawhi, him starting does kind of make sense, but it might be a situation where you know, Zubash probably just sees more minutes than he did last year, and it might not quite be his time to start yet. Yeah, I'm hoping Zub plays at least 24 minutes a night. I think that I think he needs that much. He's just good defensively, and he will be a big help in the second unit because, frankly, the Clippers don't have a whole lot defensively in that second unit, and apparently he and Lou have become pretty decent pick-and-roll partners in terms of their chemistry. They both talked about it, how, you know, as long as Zoo's hands get better, because they actually were good last year and then they haven't been as great in the preseason, then they should be okay. JC, Zoo, is that a guy you guys would like to have back? <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously. It, no. He was really talented his rookie year. Um, I think centers the last few years have, have sort of gone the trend where regardless of how talented they kind of end up being, or are are when they when they're drafted that they need more time to develop than other positions it seems it seems like we haven't had a highly impactful center in the league probably since since Joel Embiid like you know you've had guys like Nerlens Noel Mo Bamba other centers like that have had come in with a lot of promise and really have yet to to reach their potential it seems and so with Zubats it does seem like he still has a bit of a, a, a ceiling to break and uh, he might break through this year. So you combine he and Lou, and you put Kennard in there with the Clippers, and then whoever else they decide to do. I mean, Reggie Jackson, I don't know if he's going to be someone that will end up getting um, some minutes with that second unit because we all know what happened um, in the postseason. I mean, he just he wasn't great. He's a good three-point shooter, though. That's one thing that everyone seemed to forget is that Reggie Jackson can hoop a little bit. And then, of course, I mean, we'll see if guys – I don't know, like Terrence Mann get a look, uh, Fee, Patrick Patterson. Ethan, when you look at this bench, how much worse off do you think it is from last year? I think it's I think it's a fair drop-off. Um, I, I think, you know, despite this sort of anti-Trez momentum that had developed within a lot of Clipper Nation, I do think that's it's going to be something that they'll miss, that energy on some nights. Uh, but I do think Jermichael Green and subbing Jermichael Green out with Patrick Patterson is, is a major drop-off. Yeah, good call. Very good call. It's something that we were hoping that Jermichael Green would resign. I thought Jermichael Green was probably the number two priority. Number one, getting rid of Trez so you can play Zoo bigger minutes. And of course, they brought in Ibaka. And number two was resigning Jermichael Green. So that was a big kick to the nuts when uh, he decided to go to Denver. Because frankly, when you're relying on a unit with Lou Williams, Nick Batum, Luke Kennard, Zoo, I just don't think it's as good. But the one saving grace is that when you evaluate these two teams last year, it was obvious the Clippers had a better second unit. So I'm not sure how much it means. I think we can all agree the Lakers have a better second unit overall. So I think we can start with some predictions here as uh, we get deep into the podcast. I'm not sure if you guys have given them yet. Um, Ethan, you first, and then JC follow right after. What are you guys thinking in terms of where the Lakers will finish in the regular season, where the Clippers will finish, and I'm assuming you guys both have the Lakers as a repeat. 
I think the Lakers will be a top two seed. I'm not ready to outright say number one for sure because, you know, crazy things are going to happen. Western Conference obviously got uh, even better somehow this year, it seems, uh, once again, as it does every year, so it seems. And so I think the Lakers are going to, you know, sort of prioritize, or not prioritize, but be mindful of that rest and making sure their guys are ready. So I don't think the one seed will be the goal. The goal is obviously to repeat. I do think the Lakers will find themselves back in the NBA Finals. Just right now with everybody with a clean roster, clean slate, there's just too much talent, too much continuity, too much chemistry. Um, it's hard to pick against them. So that's kind of where I'm at in terms of how I view the Lakers before the season gets uh, gets ready to get started here, which is crazy. It starts this week. What do you think about the Clippers? I think the Clippers are looking at a top – I want to say they're going to be right on that 4-5 or five bubble. Wow. That, that's where I, that's where I'm at with them. Wow, you've got them low. Who do you think is better than them in the conference? I just think the Clippers have sort of undergone a not an an an, uh, an identity reconstruction, but I think sort of a a rebirth. Right, like it's going to be a different era. It's going to be a different sort of situation for them to find themselves in. Um, I don't know that they are they are necessarily worse than a two seed. But I look at a team like Dallas as a really, really good regular season team, uh, and I look at a team, you know, like Denver, of course. So, you know, those along with the Lakers, that could be your top three seeds right there. And if you want to get really weird, you know, there, there, there could be some noise for the Phoenix Suns this season. Wow, that's high for the Phoenix Suns, JC. What do you think? I think Ethan's crazy. I think that putting the uh, <laughs> putting the Clippers at four or five is is going a little bananas. What do you think? Uh, I mean, that's probably a little low, but at the same time, I do think there's like four teams that could end up vying for that number one spot in the West. And so if there's that many teams vying for the number one spot, somebody's got to be number four. And so it's not inconceivable that the, the Clippers could fall that that low. Uh, five, I think, is is way too low. But yeah, I mean, I, I think anywhere between two and four is where the Clippers might end up being. And the Lakers, the one, the one or the two? Um. Uh, yeah, I'd say the Lakers would fall between one and three. Oh, interesting. Man, you guys, possibly the Lakers being the three seed? Wow, this did not go the way I thought it was going to go. <laughs> I thought you guys were going to have the Lakers and Clippers most likely as the one and the two. But we've got the Clippers dropping the four and the five, and the Lakers possibly not even being a top two seed. So this is fascinating. I, I, I'm going to go chalk. I, I think the Lakers are the one. I think the Clippers will be the two or the three. I think that Ethan brings up some good points in terms of there's been a lot of turnover but I do think Ty Lue is a very good coach. And I think just Kawhi, PG, Lou Williams, Ibaka, Marcus Morris, I think there's a lot of talent. If they stay healthy, I think they end up being the two or the three seed. If they don't, then Ethan, I think your uh, situation comes into play, your scenario of the Clippers possibly dropping in the four or the five. Because if they start losing some games in the shortened season, of course, I mean, we haven't even discussed, we haven't said the word once in 46 minutes of the word COVID, um, that, of course, who knows what the hell happens with that and who ends up getting sidelined, whether one of these teams get hit or perhaps even, like you guys said, the Dallas Mavericks, a team that can make some noise. What happens if Luka is sidelined for a couple of weeks? I mean, the Dallas Mavericks take a big hit. So this is going to be the toughest season to predict. And so I'm going to say the Lakers finish as the one seed. I think the Clippers will finish as the two or the three. If I had to choose, I'll say the three. Um, so I think it'll be close. Now, when it comes to the title, um, I don't even want to mess around really with the East because James Harden could end up um, on the Nets by the time that this podcast posts, for all we know. Um, he also could end up on the Denver Nuggets, for all we know. So uh, it's not worth picking the Eastern Conference. 
do you guys think the Lakers repeat? Because I, I actually do tend to think I don't, I'm not sure the Clippers have enough. So I, I do think we'll see Lakers Clippers finally in the Western Conference Finals. But I think the Lakers repeat. JC, what do you think? I, I do. I think for any uh, any uncertainty that might arise during the regular season, if the if the Lakers were to fall to as low as the three season three seed, and I'm sure people would count them out because of that. I think when it comes down to the playoffs, uh, to beat a team four out of seven times, it's just going to be really hard to beat this Lakers team uh, if they're all healthy four out of seven times with you know the the IQ that that LeBron and AD and, and Gasol are going to bring to this team and the amount of depth that this team has off the bench. I just think it's going to be, they're going to be the toughest out in the playoffs. You agree, Ethan? Yeah. I mean, if everything goes according to plan, everything looks good on paper and it plays out that way, then I, then I agree. And I just want to say really quickly, as we're discussing James Harden optionality, there's part of me that's really hoping that he winds up in Sacramento and Sacramento finds a way to get Buddy Heald's deal in Houston. And that just winds up being one big old cluster storm. Oh, God, that would be funny. Wouldn't that be just what James Harden deserves? And by the way, I want to bring something up really quickly, and I don't want this to go too long because we've already gone long into uh, this podcast. But how much of a difference do you guys think there is between AD and James Harden and their demanding of the trades? Because I know that there's a lot of flack that's being caught by Harden in terms of what he's doing and going around and parading in Vegas and Atlanta and partying and not showing up. Um, I think it's a little bit different than what AD did. But Ethan, how different is the two? Well, I think that's that's exactly it, right? What you just said is the optics of the presentation. Like everybody knew about AD and obviously the Pelicans weren't playing him the minutes, but he still showed up. He still performed like there was no reports of him going party and still was committed to his team as much as he could be, at least on the court. Harden basically went on a strip club tour and said, yeah, I'll be there when I'm there. Yeah. Ethan, I mean, sorry, JC, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, plus, you know, look at how AD kind of went about it. And he's like, I'm giving you a heads up. You can get something for me or you can get nothing. I'm giving you the option. And so that's kind of, that's way different than from what Harden's doing. Yeah, good points. Uh, I was curious to get that from your guys' point of view. All right, we're going to wrap this thing up. At Hoopball Lakers is where you can follow the Lakers account. At Hoopball Clippers is where you follow the Clippers. I'm at BD Marcus. Ethan, where can people find you? And then JC, where can people find you? At Ethan underscore Noroff, N-O-R-O-F. JC? And uh, you can find me on Twitter at JCDeLeon1. And go ahead, give both podcasts a five-star rating. Review it as well. Both these podcasts really have done major work recently, trying to get as great a guest as possible to get into your ears because both teams are on the up and up. One team has already won the title, the Clippers, trying to get to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in history. Fellas, this was fantastic. Ethan, JC, thanks a lot for doing this. This was fun. No doubt about it. Thank you as well, sir. Yeah, man. Good Good to talk with you again. So we did that last year. I thought it'd be fun to bring that back and do it a second time. And this time we're able to add JC to the fray, which was a lot of fun. I think both these guys together bring a lot of insight and some different insight as well, as you heard in those predictions where one guy and Ethan thinks that the Clippers can fall to the five seed while Ethan or rather JC thinks that the Lakers can fall to all the way to the three seed. So interesting takes all around. Really hope you did enjoy that. Before we say goodbye, folks, I, I don't know if you've heard me talk about Manscaped enough because the incredible stuff that they've got over there to keep you groomed and looking fine as wine. New Manscaped products all over the map. You've heard me talk before, right, about what they do 
with their new incredible trimmer, that lawnmower 3.0 that you can use with that light that looks shiny bright on perhaps if you're going to use it down low or even if you're going to try and trim your beard and you want to use it. The light, whether it's the USB charger, whether it's the ability to just trim you beautifully so that you do not get those nicks and cuts, they've got that, of course. But now they have the new Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. I know we've all dealt with that before, right, where you look in the mirror and you see that nose hair and you're sick and tired of it. I have had it before, that one or two nose hairs that stick out. It looks awful. So Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with the Weed Whacker. The nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, prevents nicks, snags, tugs, and all those delicate holes. Right now, get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. Whether it's the lawnmower 3.0, whether it's the weed whacker that you want to help out with your nose and your ear, they've got you covered. And of course, we have to talk about what ExpressVPN does. There are tons of VPN providers out there. You've probably heard a couple of them before. Some you may have even used before. And you may have liked them. You may not have liked them. I like to do my research on our sponsors. And ExpressVPN is frankly the best VPN on the market. Here's why. They don't log your data. I know you don't want that to happen. They don't log your data. Lots of cheap and free VPNs do that. They developed a technology called Trust Trusted Saver that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your info. They're also fast. Last thing that really helps Express set ExpressVPN apart from other VPNs is how easy it is to use. You don't have to input or program anything. You just fire up the app, click one button to connect. It's so easy. Even your grandparents can do it. Protect yourself with a VPN that I use and trust. Use my link, expressvpn.com slash hoopball today. Get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. expressvpn.com slash hoopball to learn more. Get an extra three months free on a one-year package. All right. And of course, if you like this podcast, I really hope you do. Please go to that Apple store and give us a five-star rating. Review it as well. It does help us a lot when you go and just digest that Clippers content and make it spread because I try and work hard to get some great guests for you guys. So I hope you really do enjoy it. And that's it, folks. That is is it a big thank you we'll be back after the Clippers finish off their first couple of games try and have a show after the first game if not then it will be for sure after the second game big thank you of course to Ethan and to JC for helping out I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long we'll talk to you next time and go Clips This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.